Good evening. Welcome to the Unified Service. Amen. We're glad you're here. Yeah, we can get a little excited here, okay? This is a big deal. I, uh, somebody asked me coming in tonight if we were going to become Seventh-day Adventists, and I said, probably not. But we welcome you. This is such a unique set of circumstances. Uh, this is the opening week of the new owners of our property, the Word Church, and uh, three to 4,000 people are gonna be here tomorrow morning. And here, just from my heart to you, when we, when we talked about what to do and, and how to have our own service, uh, we have been granted the privilege of having space here in the complex. Uh, but as we looked at this weekend, because the Word Church is a multi-campus church, most weekends, they're only going to have between eight, 900 people here. That's a lot of people. But tomorrow, all four of their campuses are converging here uh, on this property. And, and that meant that we would have been going to our service in the middle uh, of a Sunday when folks who had never been here before were looking for parking spaces. So that's, that's the short explanation. And, and I... I hope you understand that we did our best. I actually started asking around what to do, and believe it or not, this is from the actual surveys I was doing. This is the answer of, hey, this makes the most sense. Well, tonight we've, we've had a, a great worship moment already. Bridge Band, thank you so much for leading us to worship in this unified service. I was thinking of my mother and my father, uh, this being Father's Day weekend. I was thinking about my dad, and uh, my dad... Uh, always attended contemporary service. And I remember asking him one time, I said, Dad, I listen, I know what you listen to at home. Why do you go to that contemporary service? And, and he just looked at me, he says, because that's where I can reach the most people for Christ. And for him, it was, it was very, very simple. I said, Dad, do you like that movie, that music? And he says, son, I'm half dead, death, deaf. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> and that was his answer. And he really was half, half deaf. My mother, who I saw just recently, because I asked her the same question, mom, is that your favorite music? Her answer was a little more profoundly wise than my dad's. She just said, I don't like the music, but I like that people are being saved. And I, I went back, just saw her a few weeks ago, preached there again. She's still in that contemporary service. She had an, an additional insight to it, which was basically she volunteers, sits in the nursery. She's 85. She can't get up and go get the babies. She sits in the rocker. They bring her the babies, and she rocks. You know, she hasn't dropped two, but two or three of them. That's all. <laughs> and, and, but that she loves them and scoops them up. But my mom just said, I want them to see the, the old lady that loves on their kids when I'm working in the nursery. I want them to see me in the service where they go. And I thought it was pretty cool. And uh, profound. Now, we've chosen to have two services. So to those who are from our temple and legacy service, thank you for joining us. All the service tonight more reflected, obviously, uh, the bridge music style. You being here means a lot to, to us in the bridge. And bridge, I want you to thank them for me. Would you do that right now? Say thank you for coming. Thank you. Uh, my mother will never like the music, just so you know, but she will always like 
people getting saved. Well, tonight is an exciting night. It's an exciting weekend. I wanted to say this about the services tomorrow. The Word Church has invited us uh, to come be their guests. Uh, Dr. Ari Vernon wants to recognize, uh, especially those who are legacy members uh, and who served and gave here and sacrificed for these facilities. He wants to say a word of appreciation. If you can be here, go for it. And keep in mind, you guys, you know, when, whenever we go to someone else's service, there, there are going to be things that are going to be different about that service. Uh, I took my uh, nephew. Uh, my nephew uh, is now a junior in college, but he was four years old at the time. I took him to Triumph Church, an inner city church in Detroit, a number of years ago. My nephew is biracial. He, my brother adopted him. He and his wife could not have their own children. And Nathan Holland is just absolutely one of the most godly young men I've ever met. And uh, when he was four years old on the way, uh, coming back to join the rest of the family for, uh, worship, uh, for worship back at their regular church, after having been at Triumph Church, one of the largest churches in Detroit, about 10,000 every Sunday. And uh, I said, Nathan, did you notice anything different about the service? And he said, not really, four-year-old. Uh, he goes to a predominantly all-white church. And I, I thought, wow, that, that puzzled me. I, I, I'm going to push a little more on this. And so I said, Nathan, please think about it for a while. Did you notice anything different? He thought for a while, and he said, yeah, Uncle Ed. He said, it was a lot longer than my service, my church. <laughs> I said, okay, there you go. I said, anything else? You know, I'm trying to get him to see if he even recognizes color. And so I said, is, is there anything else? And he thought a little bit longer. He says, yeah, I thought of something else, four years old. I said, what is it? I, I'm ready for profound wisdom. He says, their music was a lot louder than my church. <laughs> I said, you like it? He said, yeah, it's okay. And I, I, it took about 20 minutes in this drive. And finally I said, anything else at all? And finally stopped quietly and he said, yeah. There were more brown people there like me than my home church, than where I usually go to church. It took him that much time to figure out that there was something different because he doesn't see what we see as adults. And, and, and I just want to tell you this. If you come tomorrow as a guest, music may be louder. The service, it starts at 10. It may go, it may go till 4 in the afternoon. I doubt it, but if it does, I'm still having lunch at noon. That's what I'm telling you. But... But, uh, you know, just, just be ready. It's going to be a celebration. It's going to be a great time. And, and just be ready to, to celebrate and enjoy it and have a great time. I know our staff is coming. There's a little spot for us that's reserved. The rest of our church family, if you come, just there's no reserve spot. Just mix in. Make a new friend. These are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Be a part of the service. You might be up in the balcony. You might be in the front row. Just find a place and worship if you can. And I wanted to get a rough idea. How, I know some of you have got your church tonight and you've got it out of your system, okay? So maybe tomorrow's not an option, but how many of you are thinking of coming? This is not signing in blood, but you're thinking of coming tomorrow. Would you wave at me? Okay, very good, very good. And just get in there, love people in the name of Jesus. You will be a guest, you'll be an honored guest. And tonight we're gonna have our service. We're gonna worship. Uh, there was one of the things that came out of one of the interviews. Someone said it made it sound like we're merging our churches 
Uh, we may do some things together, but we, are, we remain our own local church. We move forward in serving Christ. They are an independent local church. We are an independent local church. Uh, we're really right now two families living under the same roof, and that, that'll be, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. Uh, let, finally, let, let's just jump into tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about Father's Day. Uh, I, I know one of the things that happens on Father's Day occasionally is preacher gets up there and really lets the fathers have it. You know, and I, I, know, I know that there are issues in America regarding absentee fathers, and a lot of the problems in our culture are, is because men will have a part in birthing a child, and then they abandon that family. And, and certainly that's, that's one of the great tragedies in America today, and it's hurting our country, it's hurting our culture. But, you know... <laughs> For the most part, they're not here today, so I'm not going to preach at them. I, I, I want to honor and, and recognize tonight that I believe in, in this auditorium, on this Father's Day weekend, there are some godly men who are standing in the gap and raising their children and loving Jesus and loving their wife and getting up every morning, put their big boy pants on and walking out the door and going to the work uh, where they make a living for their family and they come home every day to the same house and the same bed and they love their kids and they never whine a single moment. They do it all in the name of being a good man and a good dad and a good Christian man. And, and dads, I just want to say it right now. This is not Father's Day today, but it is Father's Day weekend. I want to honor you and thank you, those of you who love Jesus and have put him first in your life and you're standing in the gap. Would the rest of you just say happy Father's Day with me right now? Would you just let it be known how much we appreciate the men? We're going to get started with the first scripture verse in, in your notes. If you want to follow along in the app or you want to look at scripture by way of the handout, the hard copy, or just pay attention from the screen, we're going to look to God's word. And the first verse we're going to look at is a scripture from the book of Ezekiel, an Old Testament prophet. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. Listen in as I read that verse. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. What a tragic statement. During the time of Ezekiel the prophet, uh, there, there, there was great spiritual famine. And God said he looked over all of the people and he couldn't find one good man. And so on this Father's Day, I want to talk to you about what, what is a good man. Uh, I believe men who will take a spiritual stand, and in this passage, a man to stand in the gap, think of it this way. There is God, and there is man. And when God says, I'm looking for someone to stand in the gap, it's that gap between God and man. And a good man re reaches up through his relationship with God. He stands in the gap, and he reaches to his family and others and he builds walls of protection. And he does this by praying for him. He does by, li by living an authentic Christian life, by being the real deal, by representing Jesus, by being Christ-like in, in every way. And the kids grow up with a living testimony of what a Christian is. 
And, and in the, the tragedy of this passage, when I look at it, is God looked for one person willing to do this. And he couldn't find any. L let me just say this as we get started. There's no way you can be a good father unless you first become a good man. Uh, please, please know today, this, this is, I think, our opportunity as a church community to really zero in on what it means to be a good man, what it means to be someone who stands in that gap, who makes a difference, who builds a wall, a spiritual wall of protection. Now, there's something I wanna do before I really jump into our three points, and they're very short, actually, this evening. And I, I have a gift uh, for fathers. I, I wanna, I'm not talking about the donuts for dads after the service. We wanna have a great fellowship time. But uh, dads, I wanna help you out. And, and families, I wanna help you out. I wanna help you understand something that you may not understand. I think men, are incredibly misunderstood. First of all, we just don't talk a lot. Sometimes, how many of you guys, ladies, how many of you live with the silent, quiet kind of guy? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, about 90%. And I thought about starting a support group for us misunderstood guys, the silent kind of guy, but uh, I figured that wouldn't work because we don't like to share our feelings, so nobody's gonna come. But uh, I'm going to give you some insights, and I'm going to give you kind of like a dictionary of terms to help you families. Some of the tension in your homes, frankly, is because when, when the man does speak, you don't fully understand what he's saying. Uh, we are so misunderstood. And so, ladies, I'm going to teach you. Now, men, don't take my man card on this, but I'm going to teach the families here today, the code that we use. In other words, what does it mean when we do talk? And so I'm gonna translate some phrases and terms and I've written some of these down because I wanna get them right. And I, guys, hopefully you see this as a gift. This is gonna help you. So here you go. When a man says, it would take too long to explain. You know, dad, how, what, what makes the car engine run? It would take too long to explain. Well, translated, what does that mean? I have no idea how it works, okay? <laughs> so any t next time you hear a man say that, that's, that's what he means. Now, when a man says, ladies, this is specifically for you. You've heard this before. Honey, take a break. You're working so hard. Be honest, ladies, how many of you have ever heard that one? Okay, truth. I mean, just about every, guys, we do say that. Now I'm going to tell them what we really mean. What we really mean is, honey, I can't hear the game on TV over the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Shut it off. <laughs> when a man says, can I help you with dinner? What he means is, why isn't it ready yet? When a man says, and this is something I've Actually, when I thought about this, I've caught myself now saying it a few times. Uh, uh-huh, sure, yeah, honey. Uh-huh, yes, yes, dear. What does he mean when he says that over and over and over and over and over? Uh-huh, uh-huh, sure, uh-huh, yes, dear. Mm -hmm. 
What does he mean? Absolutely nothing. It is a conditioned response. It's like Pavlov's dog. You ring the bell and he drools. Okay, when a man says, I'm sorry, you know how bad my memory is. He means, I can remember the theme song to every television show, television show I've ever watched. I can remember the VIN numbers of every car I've ever owned. I just can't remember your birthday. I'm sorry. That's the translation. When a man says, oh, don't fuss, I just cut myself. No big deal. He means, I probably have a severed limb. I'll probably bleed to death before I admit that, but would you please call 911? When a man says, I can't find it, this is, this is true, by the way. What he means is, I'm holding my hand out and it's not dropping out of the sky into my hand. It must be lost. When a man says, I heard you, he means I have the foggiest clue what you just said and I'm hoping desperately that I can fake it enough to fool you. Just a couple more. When a man says, you look terrific, I have used this line many times. He means, please don't try on one more outfit. We're late. I'm hungry. I want to go. When a man says, I'm lost. I... Actually, men never say that, do they? <laughs> I'm going to skip that one. <laughs> when a man... <laughs> I've never heard a man say that. When a man says, I don't think I can go shopping today, he means shopping is not a sport. And no, I'll never think of it that way. Uh, when a man says, I don't remember saying that, it, it's because he means anything I've said six months ago is inadmissible in an argument. In fact, all past comments are null and void after seven days. That's what we really mean. So, so hopefully, ladies, this will help you in, in your future experiences. And guys, uh, hopefully we can start speaking a little a little more clearly in plain English. So hopefully this Father's Day, this will help you. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into our notes. Number one, would you guys write this down? Good men have learned. What's a good man? Scripture's looking for good men to stand in the gap. What is a good man? Good men have learned to trust in the Lord. R write that key word there, to trust in the Lord. Now here's how God's word describes the trust we are to put in the Lord. It is in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Would you guys read this one out loud with me? Could you join me in reading this, Proverbs 3, 5? Most of you are familiar with this. Many of you grew up uh, learning this verse at some time or another. So join me. It's a very short, short verse. Let's read it together. Ready? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Not part of your heart, <laughs> but all of your heart. Good men have learned to trust in the Lord with all of the heart. I think one of the biggest problems today is people are half-hearted in their relationship with God. Let me give you the key to trusting God completely, giving him your whole heart. Would you write this down? Trust does not depend on understanding. You see, we men are fixers. This, this doesn't come easily for us. We want to understand things. And so trusting God is difficult. 
We want to control things. Uh, we want to fix everything. I came across this, this quote uh, from Chuck Swindoll. It's, it's something that I think is just so perfect and, and explains this much better than I could. Here's what he said. We must cease striving and trust God to provide what he thinks is best and in whatever time he chooses to make it available. But this kind of trusting doesn't come naturally. It's a spiritual crisis of the will in which we must choose to exercise. What's that last word there? Faith. Faith. It's a choice. It doesn't come easy. Trusting God and living by faith. Dad, can I say something about your families as far as what you pass on to them? It sounds like a cliche, but it's deeply... It bears a lot of truth that the faith we pass on to our family is better caught than taught. If you've ever thought as you've talked to your kids, you know, in the back of your head, do, do as I say, not as I do, you are setting your family up for failure and my, my heart breaks when I run into kids, second, third generations of people raised in church who all they have is the culture and the verbiage, but they don't behave anything like Jesus. You know, they take the little pieces out of the Bible that are convenient for the time, but the more difficult parts of the Bible, they, they reject it. But yet they know how to talk the vocabulary. They were raised in church. They prayed a prayer when they were a child. And it's tragic because more times than not, those kids who do not get saved, who only repeat a prayer, have grown up in a home where they didn't catch faith. They watched cultural Christianity. The best way dads to transfer to the next generation is, is to let your kids see you pray. I, I, I remember as a young teenager coming home one night and having broke curfew. And when I came in the door, I was just tippy-toeing the best I could to get to my room. And I saw across the room, my dad beside the couch in the living room, down beside the couch on his knees praying. And he was praying out loud and he was praying for me by name. And I'm sure he heard me and some of it was for effect. And I'm here to tell you it had an effect. It meant more to me than a hundred lectures. And when kids believe that when we pray, it's real, it's just not a Sunday go to meeting outfit with a Sunday go to meeting prayer. It is something that is real and authentic. And if our kids see in us the more difficult things Jesus asked us to do. And frankly, there are a lot of tough things he asked us to do. And when you are willing to do those in Jesus' name, you're able to teach your kids that this is more than being a fair-weather Christian, a cultural Christian. You see, good men, good Christian men live by faith. They trust God. They don't waste time trying to explain it away or come up with excuses or even figure things out. They just trust God. Number two, good men have learned to turn trust into restraint. Let me just tell you real quickly what I mean by this. Trust is, is you know, faith. There's so many synonyms, so many ways to describe the word 
trust. But, but I want to help you see what it, I believe trust really is. Real trust can, I believe, be summed up in the word restraint. Let, let me show you a verse that spells this out. And I'd like to read this one together. Galatians 2.20. Could we do that? Would you guys read? This is fundamental to this Father's Day weekend message. Join me. Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is a absolute picture of restraint. I am crucified with Christ. You see, dead men do not take action. They are the perfect picture and example of restraint. Good men have died to themselves. They have done what this verse describes. They have died to lust. Pride, dead. Anger, dead. All of the things that require our restraint, we are to die to those things. And, and for those of you right now thinking, if I live this way, I won't be a man. No, you, you won't be a carnal man. You'll be a spiritual man. And, and I want you to know this and fill this in because I, I wrote this down because to me it's so important. Restraint knows that meekness is not weakness. The strongest thing you will ever do is to restrain your flesh and die to yourself. And, and according to scripture, that's what a good man is. Men who, who do not allow themselves to surrender to their lust are giants of faith and they are trusting in God, and they are restraining the impulses of the flesh. This past week, I spent a lot of time thinking about this. There are times when the Lord asks me to do things, and, and I, I struggle with them because I think, Lord, it would be easier to go another direction. But when Scripture says, die to self, it means just that. And, and here's something I came up with. Because your kids need to see this. Men, your kids need to see this. I put this quote in there. I spent a week thinking about it, and I came up with this. Men, this is from my heart to you. A Christian man without restraint is no different than a man who has never claimed to even know Jesus. What's the difference between you and someone who doesn't even claim to know Jesus? I think that one word, restraint, discipline, crucifying yourself in Jesus' name. And so I think our Christianity is on display by the way we live disciplined lives. And the farther you are away from God, the less restraint you have and the more your impulses take over. I heard a phrase this last week talking about social media said a whole generation now is, here's the phrase, addicted to outrage. Did anybody hear that on the news any of this last week? These people are addicted to outrage. It's like a junkie, a drug addict that has to have their fix of outrage. And there's no restraint. And I, I think about that. And I, I see how that's virtually tearing our culture down. People are not relationally coming and speaking to one another. They just absolutely pour it all out in social media. 
Men, please, trust God enough to allow him to restrain the worst parts of you so the best parts of you can come out. That's what number two is all about. Number three, good men have learned to ask for forgiveness and acknowledge failures. Uh, I, I know this is not a man thing. We don't say we're sorry. We don't admit we're wrong. So let's go right to the verse. This is not what Ed says. This is what God has to say. From the book of James, the old King James Version, here it is, confess your faults one to another. Is that in the Bible? Yeah, yeah it is. And pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Those who are righteous, who are authentic according to Scripture, who are, are pure of heart, those who have virtually become accountable to others in such a way that they admit it when they mess up. <laughs> according to Scripture, they become righteous. It changes the way they live. This verse, quite frankly, is the reason why a lot of men will not connect with other men in small groups because they're not comfortable talking about their failures. And getting honest about your failures is not easy. But look at the next note because I believe this to be true. Accountability is necessary. It is a necessary step in overcoming sin. According to Scripture, you're never going to overcome the besetting sin, the ongoing sin that keeps dragging you back into the vomit. And that's what Scripture calls it. It talks about a dog going back to its vomit. That's what a sin does, a sinner does when they return to their folly. So let me give you a, a, one more quote here. Charles Spurgeon, a preacher over 100 years ago, he says, It does not spoil your happiness to confess your sin. The unhappiness is in not making the confession. The exact opposite is true. Don't, don't worry about someone thinking less of you if you, if you go, hey, I've messed up here. I, I gave in to this lust, this impulse. I didn't restrain it. People are not going to think less of you. They're going to respect you more because the truth is they're battling the same thing. And I believe God is still looking for good men, men who will have the strength, to be honest, and men who will admit it when they fail. I think your family will think less of you if you don't. And I think they'll think more of you if you're willing to be vulnerable and honest. I'm going to ask you tonight, here it is, Saturday afternoon, kind of a strange time for us to be in church. Uh, how many of you have never done a weekend Sunday service on a Saturday evening before? This is the first for you. Would you wave at me? I'm proud of you. I, I'm just so proud that we've been willing to do this. And thank you for being here. But this Father's Day weekend can be much more significant if we are willing, men, and I'm talking to you, it can be much more significant if this can be a weekend when we take the spiritual lead in our family. You say, well, church, there's no church on Sunday morning. Let me encourage you to do something, men. Tomorrow morning, gather your family around you, maybe at the breakfast table, and you stand in the gap. You lead them in prayer. I know your wife loves Jesus, and, and certainly she'll be a part of this. But men, take the lead. Do, do church at home on this day. Just don't do it the next week. We're coming back here next week, okay, on Sunday? Please hear my heart. Stand in the gap. That's what they need. It's what God has called you to do. 
And so I'm going to ask you to join me. Here we are, Saturday evening. Make this a moment of spiritual resolve. Become a better man, a good man, and stand in the gap and make the difference. Let's bow for prayer. Would you bow with me right now? It, we're, we're only here for another brief moment. But if you're here tonight, maybe you came as a guest or maybe you've been coming for a while, but you're just not sure that if you were to die, you would go to heaven and be with Jesus. Let me impress upon you right now that if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know for sure heaven is your home, there's nothing more important for you as a father, as a mother, as a student, nothing more important than knowing Jesus in a personal way. And the cool thing is, Jesus came and has already done everything that needs to be done. He died on the cross. All you have to do is accept his gift. Scripture says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You don't have to wait till you get there. You can find out right now because God's word is true. The blood of Christ was shed so that we might have eternal life. And I want to encourage you, like we do at the close of every service, if you've never whispered a prayer and said, Jesus, please save me. I want to know that you love me. I want to know my sins are forgiven. Confess your sin. Tell him all about it. <laughs> There's nothing you can tell him he doesn't know about already. Ask for his forgiveness. Put your faith and trust in him and him alone. Not your good works, but in what Jesus did on the cross because he paid for your sins and for mine. Ask him. Dad's been talking to you. Man, I'm so glad you're here. You're head and shoulders above this world of men that we walk among. But would you pray a prayer tonight and say, God, help me to be the kind of dad that stands in the gap. Just whisper that right now. Where you reach up and you have a relationship with God and you reach back down to your family and you stand in the gap between the two. And you live the kind of life that looks an awful lot like Jesus. He'll help you do that. You can do it with his help. Lord, speak to our hearts again tonight. May this be a time of surrender. Maybe a time of families and parents and men surrendering more deeply in their love to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And all God's people said. Thank you for listening today. We hope your heart was inspired. For more information or directions, visit us at abt316.com.